0: Here comes comes the the truth. We must choose the truth above all things. You can't handle the truth.
1: We must choose the truth above all things. Welcome to Truth Talk, where we have lively discussions to seek out the truth behind the latest social, political, and economic issues. It is worth noting that the expressions and opinions within the conversations on this podcast are just that, expressions and opinions. All conversations, whether an expression of inconvenient truths that you may not want to hear or an uncomfortable free exchange of ideas that you may agree with, each one is meant to elevate and educate. So if you do not like what's being said, then you don't have to participate. You do not have to listen. Let's move to the conversations.
0: We must choose the truth above all things. All right. Welcome to Truth Talk. I'm your host, Greg Parker. On this episode, we will be discussing Texas open government and transparency with me to talk about this wide ranging topic. We have attorney at law, Joe Larson and Adrian Heath. First of all, thank you, gentlemen, for actually participating in this conversation. And let's talk about you. Let's describe yourself. Adrian, we'll start with you.
2: Uh, Thanks, Greg. Yeah, this is Adrian Heath calling from... uh, I'm in Montgomery County. I've lived here for 30 years and uh, had some interactions with local government. Um, My cause today, I'm I'm hoping we can shine some light on transparency in general, but in particular, um, the right to petition. And I'm calling my my little presentation here or my contribution is the neglected right of petition and the obstacles erected to hinder it. I I'm I'm sure everyone's familiar uh with the first amendment and uh you know in the bill of rights it says Congress shall make no law abridging the right of the people to petition government for redress of grievances uh in part of course we know that there's a lot more to it but um you know that's what I'm calling about and uh, it's an issue with commissioners court and other local government uh, not abiding by the law, as I see it, uh, related to a bill that came into power, uh, uh, into force last year in September, HB 2840. So um, that's what I'm calling for.
0: Well, thank you, Adrian, for being here. And now, Mr. Larson.
2: Yes, uh, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm just a lawyer.
1: Uh, I am practice with uh, Gregor, Winn, and Arnie in Houston. I'm a First Amendment lawyer. I'm a board member of the Freedom of Information Foundation of Texas, and uh, they gave me their James Madison Award uh, for uh, advocacy of government transparency back in, in 2010. Now, uh, a lot of my practice is devoted to government transparency and representing people in, in entities and entities in uh, efforts to open government up, uh, obtain government records. uh keep the government honest.
0: All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate having you on the show. Can you tell me, let's Let's start off, um, what do you see as the most pressing issue regarding government transparency in the state of Texas? And we'll start with you, Joe.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> there are very many uh, pressing areas of government transparency. The courts have been really down on the Public Information Act for a long time. They've taken away uh, a lot of the interpretations uh, that have been so favorable and made the public information act so strong uh, there there has been some legislation in the, the last session that has helped some of that the the most pressing i would say the most pressing open government issue right now is proper enforcement of, of the senate bill that fixed the boeing decision the, uh, for the boeing decision is a the lawsuit, called Boeing v. Paxton, that the Supreme Court decided, that made it almost impossible for people to get copies of contracts uh, between governmental bodies and their vendors. You couldn't even find out how much uh, uh, your ISD was paying a, a bus service for taking your kids to the school, for example. It goes on and on. Uh, that that law was passed, but it remains to be seen how it uh, how it's going to play out. Uh, But getting that fixed uh, and uh, and getting the right judicial uh, decisions going forward is the most important, but it's one among very many.
0: Wow, that's definitely pretty interesting. Now, how about you, Adrian? What do you see as the most pressing issue?
2: Well, the most pressing for me is the issue at hand. Uh, You know, like myself, there are a few people that like to go to government and make public comment on issues that concern them uh, whether it's regarding spending or policy, or it could be any range of things. Um, until last year, there was actually no um, requirement for local government to provide uh, a time of public comment. They were just doing it because it is a tradition, and it's a long-standing tradition going back uh you know the um the right to petition and redress of grievances and so on i mean we in the west we date it back to the magna carta to um the uh, bill of rights of 1689 in britain which um a lot of the constitution of the united states bill of rights borrowed from that including the right to bear arms and freedom of the press and so on uh so anyway uh, this this was recognized as a problem that it was not a requirement in law in Texas, even though uh, the Constitution does uh, make reference to it fairly strongly, but you know there were no statutes, and so somebody uh, put together this HB or it was introduced HB 2840, and what that did was it required that um, that governing bodies allowed the public to uh, be allocated time, and it says on on any given uh, agenda item and so what has happened is that uh, you know all the varying varieties of uh, rules that different governing bodies had about time um, you know how many people could speak and how much time they could speak on an item and and uh, cumulative time and so on has now been condensed down I, from what i found locally they've all gone to a default mode of 3 minutes uh, maximum for any anything you want to say, regardless of how many agenda items you want to address. And that's not the spirit of the um, bill that was introduced. In fact, uh, the um, House uh, a bill analysis, uh, I'll read a little bit to you before I hand back to you. Um, it says... Um, Governing bodies make it too difficult for the public to properly weigh in on decisions being made because they are forced to wait through the entire meeting and provide an opinion on any subject matter being addressed in the meeting. HB 2840 seeks to give the public increased access to the decision-making process by providing the public comment before or during the consideration of each item on the meeting agenda. Um... HB 2840 amends current law relating to the right of a member of the public to address a governing body of a political subdivision at an open meeting uh, of the body. And uh, it does stipulate um, uh, that it provides the governing body to adopt reasonable rules regarding the public's right to address the body under this section. Including rules that limit the amount of time that a member of the public may address the body on a given item. And that's the, um, section C of this, uh, section in the, in the Act that was revised. And so what happens is, I go to Commissioner's Court recently, a couple of months ago, and, uh, got up to speak and exhausted my three minutes on the item, the first item, and I said, well, I want to speak on another item. They said, no, that's it. Your time is up. And there was no recourse, and I think that's violating this new law.
0: Okay, Adrian, I have a quick question on that. Do you see that elected officials even pay attention? (laughs) Elected officials come in with a preconceived notion already before they even um, hear from the public. And having been an elected official myself, I can tell you, especially you know, if you go into these meetings and it's adversarial, some elected officials don't even really care what the public has said. They already have a preconceived notion in their mind concerning this issue. Do you see that being um, a problem as well, or do you see that actually happening too?
2: Oh, of course, I do see that, and that is a problem. And I think that um, you know more work is required going forward. In the next session, they're going to revisit this bill. I spoke to one of the uh, chief of staff of one of the guys that authored the bill just recently. And next session, you know, they're hoping to beef it up a little bit. And, you know, I see a place where uh, right now they have the comfort of saying, well, you know, for public comment, um, we're not allowed to respond. Well, you know, I think that, that it needs to be tweaked where they are uh, required to respond in some way. I mean, we have to come up with a way. There's got to be a way to fix that. But uh, in terms of them listening... Um, you know, you're not on your own. Uh, I was going to quote John Paul Stevens, Justice Stevens. He died last summer, 99 years old. He was appointed by President Ford. He stressed in an opinion which is called Minnesota Board of Community Colleges. He says this, there can be no question but that the First Amendment secures the right of individuals to communicate with their government. And the First Amendment was intended to secure something more than an exercise of futility, it guarantees a meaningful opportunity to express one's views and i'd say even if they don't listen.
0: Okay, then that brings it me to the question is what does the law consider meaningful? Joe, you've looked like you've, you know, you've been in this this arena pretty often and seen the court cases. What do you see as meaningful communication with lawmakers and your government?
1: Well, that takes many forms, doesn't it? Uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, it, the, to talk about a little bit further about the specific House Bill twenty eight forty, the the public p- comment period honestly is, is uh, has never been an opportunity to engage the government in a in a back and forth. Uh, it, you know, even when it, it, it has been completely voluntary on the part of governmental bodies, although it was it was regulated statutorily uh, until this latest bill, uh, but now they are are, are required. To uh, provide uh, an opportunity for any member in the audience to address the body regarding the item, any item on the agenda. And so, you know, the, the question becomes, what is a reasonable in, in, in this particular instance? The, the question becomes, what is a reasonable time period uh, for the public? Because a lot of the meetings are fairly well attended. And if everybody wants to get up and talk about every item on the agenda after a while, you start talking about quite a bit of time. So the, that, you know, that's why you've got these fallback provisions like what is a reasonable time period. You know, When you look at the uh, it's, at three minutes, it may be reasonable to address a single item, but, uh, but uh, the bill allows the opportunity to address any item on the agenda. And, and so if you've got an agenda with more than one controversial items on it, you're going to get a lot of people who want to talk about that. So I think initially you're going it, to it, part of it goes to the governmental body. Uh, they ought to be putting their agenda together with this in mind, uh, with the idea that they need to add a lot of time for the public to give their input. They need to structure the agenda to begin with that way. And if you and and they probably ought not put a bunch of different controversial items on a single agenda unless there's some kind of an emergency. Uh, but to try and uh, and uh, space those maybe is a way to put that so the public can uh, have ample time to make their feelings known, uh, their perspective, whatever individual facts they may bring. Uh, it's in the interest of the governmental body to listen to their constituents, uh, not not only uh, politically, because they're going to get a feel for what the popular feeling is. But the citizens, frankly, uh Deserve a lot of respect for uh, the ideas that they can bring, not just the demands for their own uh, share of the pie or, or, uh, you know, or their own backyard, but uh, there's a lot of genius out there in the American citizenry, and, uh, and this is an opportunity for the citizens to express some of that and, and you know the, the governmental bodies, instead of, of of trying to run from this, should be embracing this. Uh, and it, and so it, it's it's pretty clear to me, you know, that uh, a, a three minute for everything uh, type of a, of a regulation is not reasonable on its face. It's not reasonable because the three minutes is really uh, a, a very circumscribed time period. Uh, it seems to me that the, the you can't be reasonable. Uh, if you've set one standard for all meetings, I think you, you have to have sign-up sheets, you have to have, see how many people sign up, and you have to see what they're going to talk about, uh, and, and you have to make your uh, reasonable calculation based on that, uh, just to some kind of a, a one-size-fits-all three minutes and that's it. Uh, that's obviously on its face. Uh, isn't reasonable. Uh, so, you know, governmental bodies should be welcoming these comments. Uh, there should be an opportunity for them to you know, interface uh, with their constituents. Uh, not only would they get some good ideas, and, and uh, but uh, it's going to improve the relationship between them and their constituents as well.
0: Well, I would definitely agree with you. I think from one standpoint, the problem may be that elected officials are more or less ruled by opinion polls and what the, the media has structured the issue to be. So in a in sense, people coming up and talking about a particular issue, that's nice. But if it doesn't align with what the media already has, these public officials believing or what the opinion polls say do, you tend to see elected officials just, you know, just shrugging them off and going on. So this is this is an, an
1: unmediated event. We're exactly right. This is an unmediated event, and it, so it's the best possible way to do
0: it. Right. So I guess that leads me to my po- now, next point: is is information is the information technology or systems itself the solution to some of the problems for open government, or are they really just a hindrance? Even in this case, or even other issues such as um, public information requests, um, instead of. You know, having to actually request the information, why don't governments get proactive and actually just put it out there anyway? so it's already available that you know out there that you can actually just go download it as opposed to having to request that information. Your thoughts there, there, oh go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead, Joe.
1: Well, I was just gonna say that there, I mean there's been pushes, but the, there's that's been pushed over and over again every legislative session to try and get more uh, information up online. Uh, it, it, where, where you don't have to request it, where it's simply there. You just go to the website and, it, and it's there. Uh, that, that every every legislative session, there's there's a, a further further push to do that, and and it's happening. It, it, there is a lot of that going on. Uh, it, I think to answer your basic question, uh, it's so important to be able to get uh, information in, in databases. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lot of uh, issues uh, that need to be fixed in terms of getting information from databases. Uh, for one thing, a lot of databases are run by third parties, uh, and a, a lot of uh, third parties claim some portions of the databases, some of the structures that they claim uh, prevents them from releasing data dictionaries or record layouts, so even though it's in the database, uh, you're having to, to face trade secrets type Issues and this kind of comes back to my earlier comment, you know, where the Supreme Court passed this, uh, excuse me, uh, ruled in uh, Boeing v. Paxton uh, that so much information could be withheld. You know, a lot of that type of information uh, is in databases and uh, and subject to trade secret type claims, and that's the issue. That was the issue in Boeing. It's so. Uh, there are related issues, though, uh, in terms of being able to get it in the form you want. Sometimes people request databases, you know, "quote unquote" electronic form, and they get it in PDF, which is ridiculous, uh, you know, because it, you know it's not <laughs> really, it's not easily searchable. And uh, so, uh, like uh, if you get it in Excel or uh, another type of a database, this sort of information is is uh, extremely valuable. And uh, it, the government needs to make it as easy as possible and as inexpensive as possible. You get charged a lot of money for manipulating databases and contracting programs to output certain information. Uh, a lot of that's really ridiculous. I've heard some very high price tags, uh, 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 is, uh, high three-figure uh, – excuse me, high six-figure price tags. Really? It gets, yeah, Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So I
0: think that's ridiculous. What about you, Adrian? What do you think? What's your thoughts?
2: Well, I agree entirely with what Joe has said. Um, I can give an example of high price tags. Um, a few years back now, years ago, uh, we requested information from the sheriff's department on illegal aliens being released. And they came, worked up a bill of $76,000. What? <laughs> uh, which is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, you know, they said it was, you know, time to research and blah, blah, blah. So uh, I can't remember how we, uh, or what, and Joe might remind me, but there was a provision in the rules um, that said if you had a minimal um, request, that, the, that there was a maximum that they could charge for it. So we split this request up into, I can't remember, 26 requests or 12 or something, and uh, we only had to pay $15 for each one. And uh, we got the information that way. But, you know, you have to jump through hoops. They do wax defensive and obstructive all the time. Mm. Um, In the case that, uh, one case that Joe was, I think, participated in the case was the walking quorum uh, thing um, due to
0: oh, emails yes. and
2: so so on here with the Tea Party and the previous county judge and some of the commissioners, and um, I requested the emails uh, from the county attorney on the same day as the local paper, and they walked me through the ropes and the you know <laughs> the process and denied basically denied me for months. Uh, for the same emails that they released to the newspaper with, without argument. Wow. You know? Uh, another case I can relate, uh, and this is to do with the public comment issue, is how um, uh, self-serving they can be. I mean, you might remember the incident where uh, a young guy, Reagan Reed, uh, got up, uh, arrived a little late maybe, but he got up to speak and uh, uh, the county judge says, uh, have a seat. Here, this is the little uh, transcript I made. Uh, You're not signed up to speak. Uh, Read, I got here more than five minutes early. The clerk told me I would be allowed to speak, Uh, county judge. If you don't have a seat, you'll be removed. And then a commissioner types up and says, oh, you're breaking your own protocol. You've done this time and time again. And the county judge says, no, I'm not. And anyway, they had this exchange. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a week earlier, uh, this... Particular commissioner that spoke up on behalf of the guy, uh, he had held an open, uh, what do you call it, a public hearing on an agenda item. He had uh, it was to do with with uh, a complaint from citizens about um, a business had cars parking on both sides of the street and they they couldn't manoeuvre very well, and so he put this agenda item there and had a public hearing and told all the people that complained about the. Um, the public hearing and they came to speak and the business that was the focus of it was not told they only found out when they put the signs up for the no parking signs <laughs> in front of his business so the, that, that same day that he had defended um, Reagan Reed this guy uh, uh, um, uh, he was an athletics school Derek Atherton and he got up and he said, hey, listen, this happened. You know, they had this hearing last week. We didn't know about it. And we'd like you to put it on the agenda again so we can, so we could, uh, you know, address it and have some say. And the county judge, to his credit, the former county judge, he says, oh, well, you know, I, I've got to refer you to Commissioner NOAC. And, you know, I thought they were going to give him a reasonable hearing. Well, Noack looks up across the counter, across the bench there and says, I refer you to the county attorney. You know, that's not the spirit of it at all.
0: Yeah, no consistency whatsoever. Well, now that you mention elected officials, um, who do you gentlemen see as some of the elected official champions of open government and government transparency here in the state of Texas. Now we both know me and you Adrian both know it's nobody on our commissioner's court. But in an, in a sense you you can tell me who do you see as one of the champions or some of the champions uh, elected officials here in the state of Texas.
1: Well in the legislature uh what Kirk Watson no question about it. Capriglioni uh, I think uh our uh, or to be held up to to a a, a very high regard in that, I I would would drop those names.
0: Okay. Now, I know Kurt Watson's a Democrat. Are are the rest, the other one Democrat too?
1: Uh, I think, I think a might be too, yes. Wow. Uh, You know, let me just talk about that. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk Uh, about uh, it. (laughs) Because, because uh, I, uh, I, I was a, it should a not co-chair. be a partisan
2: issue. First it should of all. not
1: part. It's not partisan. It's not a yeah. partisan issue. Uh, it, it it absolutely is not partisan. Exactly. Uh, but I I just want to say uh, I was college, a co-chair of College Republicans at the University of North Dakota in 1980, and uh, and I, I've always you know believed in. Uh, I, I guess you can call me a traditional Republican. I left the Republican Party. I have left the Republican Party, the Republican a long time ago, and the Republican Party in Texas. But you would think as a small government party mm-hmm. yep. would be in favor of the greatest possible transparency. Because you can't, you can't have small government, you can have limited government unless you know what your government's doing. But the fact of the matter is uh, it, it's the Democrats who are, are more transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you see this uh, particularly in the legislature, but you see it in the courts too. We've got a, a Supreme Court that's supposedly conservative that has absolutely been on a terror against the Public Information Act since uh, around 2000. Uh, and, uh, and, and so every time when I speak about this, the first thing I talk about is that it's nonpartisan. Wow. And, uh, and I will defend anybody's right to get the information. Uh, everybody's got their point of view, but the information is the information. And you get the information and you can use it to support your point of view or to take somebody else's point of view down a peg. Uh, but the information is the information and it's there for everybody. It's not a partisan issue as to what, uh, in the United States. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. But I'm afraid uh, – what I'm afraid of is that the Republican Party is also the party of business. And business is not really keen on seeing its information out into the public. Mm. And, uh, and you, so you've got a lot of Republicans doing deals with businesses, and frankly, they want to cover their tracks. Right, right. right. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, if the Democrats were in charge now, maybe they'd be doing the same thing, but they're not and we can only blame the party that's in charge as far as i'm concerned
0: it sounds like you believe that cronyism is a portion or a part one factor in this
1: <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a cuz i do i do it's i'm just huge. Doing, i do it's just huge <laughs> yeah yeah it, 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 it's,
2: well, it, it's it's the gorilla I, in, the,
0: in the pantry right right go ahead go ahead Adrian.
2: i could i can contribute just a, an anecdote to what joe was saying was uh, jim jenkins you know he's always been on the warpath about public funds for private use. And Jim did open records request to the Greater Houston Partnership to ask for their check registers because they were getting government money for projects, right? It's, it's just the Chamber of Commerce down there and they're getting tons of, you know, truckloads of dollars for whatever their projects are. And they fought and fought and fought. They didn't want, you know, oh, you can't have our check registers. And I think, I think uh, uh, an appeals court, um, agreed with Jim to release the, and ordered them to do so, and they appealed it to the Supreme Court. And John Devine, who is from uh, Montgomery County, I think was on the opinion where they overruled it. You know, the government always wins.
1: This is this is just an, this is a very specific example of one of the many Supreme Court cases. This is this is uh, the GHP case, uh, and in the last legislative session, uh, they, they were supposedly going to try and fix that too. But that didn't happen. The GHP decision has basically been enshrined at this point. It, it hasn't been fixed. Uh, hopefully, the Boeing decision, which was far far worse, uh, has been fixed to the point where it's usable again. Uh, but we're never we're never going to be able to sue the Chambers of Commerce again to, uh, as a governmental body. I mean, the, the Supreme Court test on that was wow. enshrined
0: by the legislature, basically. Wow, that is amazing. Well, um, first of all, I want to start wrapping things up. I want to thank you guys for um, really sitting down and having a conversation with me. This was very enlightening, and you guys brought some real insight into this conversation. You guys want to offer up a last comment, um, and we'll start with you, Adrian.
2: Um, Get involved. Uh, My favorite quote is a... a parliamentarian from Ireland in the 1700s who was uh, actually sought out by the founders for his wisdom. Uh, he said, It's the common fate of the indolent to see their rights become prey to the active. The condition upon which God has given liberty to man is eternal vigilance. Which condition, if he break, servitude is at once the consequence of his crime and the punishment of his guilt. That was John Philpot Curran.
0: Nice. Thank you very much. And Joe.
2: Well, I don't know
1: if I could uh, do anything uh, on that level of eloquence, Uh, but uh, let me let me say that, you know, we said earlier open government is not partisan. Uh, I want to say, though, that it must be political uh, and uh, to echo get involved. Our politicians need to be asked specifically where they stand on open government issues. It needs to become a campaign issue for everybody that's running. uh, The media needs to be asking these questions. The uh, the citizens need to be asking these questions whenever they can. It's only if these politicians see open government as an important political issue that they're actually going to try and uh, open the government up. It, it only public pressure will work and and the public really needs to be putting some pressure on this because the the public Information Act and the open meetings act uh, are hurting uh, frankly and, 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 and it's only the public that can resuscitate them
0: thank you gentlemen so much for being on the show
1: thank you it's Greg it's
0: time Fortunately, government transparency is nothing more than a buzzword for consummate politicians seeking to score easy political points with docile and gullible citizens. If it is not the judiciary stripping away our rights to redress our grievances, it is crony and corrupt politicians that want to hide their plush business dealings from public view. We can go to government meetings only to be met with enforced speedy time constraints, not allowing us as citizens to voice our concerns, or exorbit fees to get government documents that are readily available to a biased press. Federal, state, and local officials shrug this off as if we are the enemy. Moreover, in Texas, the political party of less government and freedom openly holds government transparency hostage to big business. Politicians have been shouting government transparency for decades. You know, We want more government transparency, or even we need more government transparency. Honestly, do we need more government transparency, or do we need politicians with ethics? And that's my two cents.